Amen. Get your Bibles out. Get your Bibles out because I got a word for you. Now, I need you. To, I need to kind of give you a precursor before we jump in the word this morning. Uh, this is going to be a three-part series. Uh, I, the more I started to lay it out this weekend, I started to realize this is going to get deeper than I even thought it, thought or anticipated it to do. And so I want you to be prepared not to miss one Sunday. Okay, listen to me, listen to me. The power of the word is how much you receive, not how much you just hear. Amen? Word has power when it's received, not just when it's heard. And so, it, because when you receive it, then you have desire to apply it. When you hear it, you can decide whether to throw it out or keep it. And so what I'm asking you to do is for the next three weeks, do not miss service. Be here for this. Well, Pastor, I, I, I can't make it. Change your plans. If the word's important to you, change your plans. Because I promise you where we're about to go is going to shift you for the remainder of your existence as you're in your walk as a believer. Amen? You're like, where are we going? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm excited about this subject. This is a subject that is not taught in a lot of churches. This is a subject that's kind of uh, pushed to the side because it causes us to, to, to go to places that maybe we, not, we might not be comfortable in or, or, or step into. Uh, uh, how many of you in this room want to experience everything God has for you? Now, some of you are not raising your hand. That's called rebellion in the house of the Lord. I know, Pastor, I don't want to experience everything. I just want to experience part of it. That's craziness. Would you agree? So I'm going to ask you this one more time. This is to convict those that didn't raise their hands just now. I can see you. I know the lights are bright, but I can see you. How many of you want to experience everything God has for you? Okay, now, now you understand uh, that this should constitute a response that is far beyond just a raising of a hand in church, but you should be like, yes, because you know that God's got greater for you. So, so I'm going to try it one more time in order to give the effect and awe of the moment. So that people watching by Facebook really believe that we believe this statement. How many of you really want to experience everything God has for you? Now, now, now I'm going to have to go back into the video and edit this later so I get that response on the first time rather than the third time. But, but let me just say this to you for a second because this is the problem in the church today is, is that it requires three times for us to get there rather than we're already there. What happened to the excited church? What happened to the fired up church? What happened to the believers who said, man, if you give me just a glimpse, baby, I'm going to get it. I want everything God has for me. I don't just want enough to get me by. I don't want just another service. I don't want just another moment. I don't want just another worship song. I don't want just another sermon. I want to go beyond the ticklings of a Sunday experience and move into a lifestyle that is saturated by God's presence and power. It is not enough to claim church or sanctuary. It is not enough to claim your title. It is not, man, my God, it, it, it blows my mind when I read Barna study groups that says something like 78% of America are Christian. Liars. That's because 60% of them are lying and 18% actually are. Could you imagine what the world would look like if 78% of America was actually believing Christ dwelling? Could you imagine what the church could do if just 78% of the United States really were who they said they were? It's, it's, it's amazing to me how we're, we're missing this. I, I, I'm, done, I'm done with just church services. I don't know if you caught on the last couple of weeks, but something like, it's like fire. Something, something's coming over me. A little Pentecostalness is coming over me. I, I might want to run and shout. I don't know what's going to happen next. I might do a backflip off a chair. I, I don't know what might happen. You might just have to watch it all. I can't tell you because here's the truth of it. I'm not just going to sit in churches and make you feel comfortable and pat you on the butt and tell you good game while you're living in sin. I'm going to preach on hell, but I'm going to declare heaven. I had a great conversation with my brother the other day, and he's been stuck on this I Am series that I did a couple months back, and he's like, dude, you're wrecking me. You're messing me up. And, and I just told him, I said, here's the problem with the church today. No one has relationship with God. They have relationship with the church. But they don't put God in the church. They just call it a building where they look better than what they look like on Mondays. The church has become the place where we come and beg God to give us something 
It's the place where we come and say, God, give me more, give me more, because we haven't used what he's given us first. Mm, I'm going to try to help you this morning. I really am. Because, because I, what I'm about to preach on, what I'm about to give you this morning, is going to cause you to put your hand away. <laughs> it's going to cause you to stop asking him for more and realize that he's enough. It's going it's gonna, to it's gonna make you stop walking up to God and go, God, I don't have anything. You're going to realize that you always have had everything that you needed. This morning, I want to start a series called The Anointed. Anointed. Well, Pastor, that, that title is reserved for you. Pastor, you're anointed. The staff's anointed. The, the men and women of God, the kings, the priests, the prophets, they're anointed. But so are you. You're going, this is going to be hard for you to swallow in the beginning because the church has reserved the anointing for those who stand on pulpits. Those who preach from the word, those, those who have position, those, those are the anointed. We're just common folk. That's the anointed. Are you crazy? Do, do you really realize what dwells on the, uh, if I think if the church finally understood what lived on the ends, it'd freak you out. You, I talked about my run. I, I'm telling you, it's like fire shut up in my bones. I can't yeah. stand still because I realized that I didn't need to become a preacher to have the anointing. I could clean toilets and still be anointed, baby. I could stand outside and greet people in the parking lot and still be anointed. I can change, do- I can change poopy diapers in the kids' ministry and still be anointed. I can vacuum a carpet and still be anointed. I can be married with four kids and still be anointed. Praise God. This word, anointing, is something that has been laid aside, not discussed, until we need something. Something has become an invitation only, rather than an indwelling in the hearts of every believer. Do you understand that with the anointing, altars would be empty of repeat repenters? Catch that one, what I just said. With the anointing, the altar would be empty of repeat repenters. Because repentance would finally have its full mark rather than a partial mark to get you out of a moment. It would change you for a lifetime. Worship would be filled with an inhabitation of his presence and power. Not us having to sing two songs and hoping that if we sing good enough, we'll be in God's good graces. So by the time we get to the third song, his glory will finally fall. Sermons would be preached with power rather than feel goods. I'll say that one more time. (laughs) Sermons would finally be preached with power that changes everything rather than feel goods that got you into Monday. I don't care about your Monday. I care about your eternity. I don't care whether you make it to Monday. I care whether you finish the race. And that means I might have to say some stuff, but I have to understand that what I declare from this pulpit has to be under the anointing, not under Brian. Because if it's under Brian, you'll only make it to Monday. You might not even make it that far. Under the anointing, the word would come alive in the hearts and be applicable, applicable to every situation. The word is not only applicable to those who you think need it. The word is applicable to you in the moment you're in right now. I don't care if you want, don't want to hear the word anointing. I don't, want to, I don't care if you don't want to hear that you're anointed. But this word, because it's out of this book, is applicable to you right now. We would become soul winners rather than people watchers. Hmm. Hell would shake and heaven would explode with praise. Because the anointing takes us beyond salvation and into an even greater relationship with him. And it's time that we stop asking for it and start walking in it. You mean, Pastor, I can walk in the anointing? How many believers do I have in the room? Be, be real careful before you raise your hand. Because believing is not just hoping. Believing is living, breathing, declaring, decreeing, fulfilling, walking, never stopping, never wavering. I am his. He is mine. So let me ask you this one more time. How many believers do I have in the room? Then watch this. You ready? Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. You. Your hand is up. You. Are anointed. Pastor, you're kidding me. I'm anointed? No. I thought it was for you. Let me say something to you. 
The church has gotten really good at reserving. Power for pulpits rather than the power that was left for the people. The church has gotten very good at making spotlights for people rather than understanding that he is the spotlight and he's shining it on us because he desires for us to be used for his glory. You mean I can walk in the anointing who who me pastor you don't you don't know my past you don't know my struggles you don't know my ups you don't know my downs you don't know my lefts you don't know my rights you're right I don't but he does and he still declares over you that there is an anointing that has come to live and dwell in your life and it is time for you to walk in it because if Christ lives in you and you're a believer then you're anointed Look at your neighbor. Look him dead in the face. Now understand, do it with the same tenacity and strength and boldness that you declared a few minutes ago. Look him in the face and say, I'm anointed. anointed. That was eight of you. Let me try this again. This this is one of those three things you got to work them into it, right? Okay, try try it again. Try to convince them this time because your neighbor just looked and went, "Uh uh-uh. Because anointing doesn't whisper, anointing doesn't say it deflated, anointing says it with boldness, with fire. Hey, I'm anointed. Troy, Pastor Troy just scared the whole room. Amen. So I, I want to try again. I'm not saying shout your neighbor down, but but maybe you need to shout them down because they need to wake up. Rubbernecking in church is not allowed here at the house. Look at your neighbor one more time and say, I'm anointed. But do you believe it? Do you really believe it? Mm, Because I don't believe you. Why? Because words are not actions. (laughs) Because anointing or anointed is not a noun. It is a verb. In its full context, it is an action. It is not a position. Oh, but the problem is, is that we all want to be anointed because we need titles. Because we need someone to tell us that we're better than what we always see ourselves to be. And maybe that's the problem is that we have not seen ourselves through the eyes of Christ. We keep seeing them through the rose tinted glasses of our past mistakes and failures. And we deem ourselves unworthy to be anointed while Christ is in heaven sitting next to the throne of grace, next to God the Father and saying, God, why won't they just understand that I've anointed them? The anointing that I'm speaking of this morning comes from the Greek word called creo. Creo means to consecrate for office or religious service. Now, I wish they would change the definition because I don't like the word religious service because I think religion has become a demon in the church rather than... Now, so, uh, so can I change the wording just a little bit? To consecrate for office or God's service. Got it? You've been anointed. How many believers do I have in the room? So do you understand that if you raise your hand right now, it's like swearing yourself in in this moment. You raise your right hand. That's me. Now, if you're left hand, I, I can only tell you, but, but raise your right hand. And, and that's me, Pastor. I, I'm, I'm consecrated. I have been assigned to God's service. If Christ dwells on the inside of you, the hope of glory, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the lily of the valley, the rose of Sharon, the bright and morning star, if he dwells on the inside of you, you have now been committed to his service. Okay, good. Y'all in the same room. We're all in the same place. So this anointing was used in the Old Testament uh, for anointing kings, priests, and prophets. It's also used to describe how God anointed Jesus in Acts chapter 10 as Peter is ministering to Cornelius and his family in Cornelius' house. This is what it says. It says in Acts chapter 10, verse 36 through 38, it says, The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word you know. Amen? Y'all with me so far? That word you know. Jesus Christ is Lord of all which was proclaimed through all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. And then it says in verse 38, and this is, I've read this before, but it jumped off the page of me. It says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with what? And what? Mm, Here it comes. Who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, 
for God was with him. Stay right there for a second. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. So if God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit, and if we have received Christ and believe that he dwells on the inside of us, then shouldn't we have the same power? But yet we've gotten to a position in the church where we think we have to cry out for the anointing. I'm going to get to that in a minute. If we have received Christ, not let him visit, not let him have a Sunday morning, but received him. Do you understand that what you, what, what you receive, you do not push out? You're going to catch this in a second. What you receive, you receive like this. That means you're ready for full embrace. That's how Christ received you. He received you on the cross like this. I tell my children all the time, how much does daddy love you? And my kids will tell me, my older ones, my, my little ones still learning. But, but the big ones, they said, daddy loves me this much. Why does daddy love you this much? Because Christ loved you that much. Yeah. Understanding that my hands can't close. It is an open-ended welcome. It is a full embrace, not a partial embrace, not a closed fist embrace. I am ready to receive you. No matter how you come, I'm ready to receive you. Christ says, I do the same thing for you. But it says, if we, I wrote here, if we received Christ, if we received Christ, and this is a problem I'm seeing in the church a lot. We don't receive Christ, we receive the handout. As long as God bails me out, God is a good bailout system to most believers. God is really good at getting you out of your junk. You ever think that God's tired of your junk? Because I'm going to be realizing, oh, but God, he's got grace and mercy. He's also got justice. I don't know about you. I grew up in a house with a paddle or a wooden spoon. You know that one with the hole in the middle of it? You can hear it coming. I always joke around and say my mama used to do the lifting swing. You know what that is? That's when you grab your hand, kid, by one arm just enough where their toes can't touch the floor so they can't run away and say, pow. Pastor, that's abuse. Look, I only did it a couple of times, and I learned. My mama brought the spoon to the store. Don't play. That was back in the day when you could do it, and somebody was like filming you on, putting you on YouTube. Amen. You could actually spank your children in real life. Amen. Now you're like, you're an abuser. Shut up. The Bible says, spare the rod, spoil the child. I didn't say beat the child. Hello. Although, no, I'm just kidding. I do have a daughter named Love. Amen. She's going to watch these videos one day. It's like, Dad, for real, can you stop? Like, you weren't around when you were five. You weren't, you weren't a, yeah, I, I hope you have one of you. Amen. Okay. Or she's going to beat me up, one of the two. Amen. <laughs> if Christ is dwelling in us, and the Bible says that God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power, that makes me privy to the anointing. That means if he dwells in me, then I'm anointed. I'm, a, I'm anointed. Do you understand when you, when you say that, when you think about that for a second? I'm anointed. Your shoulders kind of kick back. Your head kind of lifts up. Because you understand that the anointing is the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. Yeah. Okay, now I'm really going to mess with you. It's not even in my notes. I'm just going to go with the Holy Spirit this morning. Come on. Hey. Here's a kicker. If there is burdens and yokes in your life, Watch, here it comes. It's going to be like a pop in the jaw. That means the anointing is not flowing through you. That goes as far as to say that the Holy Spirit is not flowing through. Pastor, how can you say that? Because the Bible says that God anointed Jesus with what? So can I go as far to say as that the anointing is the function of the Holy Spirit in your life as a believer? Here's the funny part of the church today. We want God, we want Jesus, but we don't want the Holy Spirit because that's the weird stuff. That's the weird stuff. That's that weird stuff and speaking in other tongues and weird stuff and they get weird and they shake and they do weird stuff and it's like, I can't deal with that. So I just want Jesus, I just want God. Do you understand that if you don't want the Holy Spirit, then you don't want Jesus. And if you don't want Jesus, you don't want God. Therefore, the Trinity has no effect in your life. Yeah, because you can't have one without the other. And that stupid song, one of these things are not like the other. That is not the case here. They are three 
in one. And as I was reading this, it kept leaping off the page because we have overcomplicated the anointing. We have made the anointing as like the impossible to achieve rather than the anointing is in you. It's, okay, I'll give it to you another way. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 through 22, it says this. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ, he, talking about God, who establishes us with you together in Christ and has anointed us, believers, is God. The one who's anointed us is God. Watch. Who also has sealed us, here it comes, and given us what? In our hearts as a guarantee. So the anointing is guaranteed by what? I got more and more excited the more and more I write that I wrote this. I get pumped. Some of y'all, I'm right over your head. That's okay. Just hang with me. I'll, get, I'll wrap it up in a minute. But some of y'all are catching this because you're like, you mean I could have been doing this a long time ago? You mean, you mean I could have been feeling this a long time ago? Yeah. Okay. So look back at Acts chapter 10, verse 38. So how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. You're anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. That doesn't mean the power to wake up and not hit snooze on Sunday mornings. That doesn't mean power to deal with your, tra- your crazy children. That doesn't mean, no, that means the power of the almighty God flows through you. And the anointing is not just the filling of the Holy Spirit, but the function of the Holy Spirit in every believer. The function of the Holy Spirit. The function of the... How many of y'all want the Holy Spirit to dwell on the inside of you? Then you need to let the anointing start to function through you. The anointing isn't the feel good, the goosebumps, because the AC kicked on. I love it. Oh, I got goosebumps. The air just kicked on. Stop being dumb. It's cold. We like it cold in our church. Amen. Because this is hot. Okay, uh, I need a sweater. Bring a sweater. Amen. Praise God. Uh, but, but, but people go, oh, look, I got goosebumps. The hairs are standing up on my arms. They get that when it's 98 degrees outside. That, that's a move of God. Yeah. Right? That, that, that's, whoo. But it's more than just the feeling. It's the unction. It's the voice that speaks to you in Walmart and says, pray, and you go, uh-uh. It's the voice that speaks to you and says, give, and you say, uh-uh. It's the voice to you that says, go deeper, go farther. And you go, ah, 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 ah. Can, can I just be honest with you for a second? This is the way it laid out to me last night. That if I reject the unction of the Holy Spirit, then I've rejected Christ. That's deep. Because I can't ask for the Holy Spirit. Without receiving Jesus and being reconciled to the Father. We, we, we were talking in my office this morning and I said, I feel like we have overcomplicated the simplicity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have made it this crazy stuff like, well, if you don't get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you'll never walk in the power. I can't find that in Scripture. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say, I, I will challenge any of you theologians in the room to find that scripture because I have looked to try to find out if the anointing and the Holy Spirit were two separate entities. And the more I dig, the tighter they get interwoven. So you mean to tell me I've been having the anointing my entire life as long as I have the Holy Spirit. Dwelling, functioning, giving me unction. No wonder we keep asking for the anointing. Because we're not functioning in it. This is the way I saw it. This is the way I heard it. We're crying out for the Holy Spirit more and more in church services and in meetings. Because our spirit knows that something is missing from the completion of the Trinity affecting in our lives. 
We have the Father, we have the Son, but our spirit man is going, but something is missing. I am not complete. So we are sitting in services going, Holy Spirit, visit us, you foolish person. This Holy Spirit doesn't visit, it dwells. Anointing fall in this place. What are you talking about? It's in you. We need a fresh anointing. No, you need to get off your lazy butt and walk under the unction. We need a fresh outpouring. You. Constipated believers. Swallow it. If it's you, swallow it. Because I am tired of a church that sits in services and wants something but refuses to walk in it. Go. You were here last two weeks. You know what I'm talking about. Because you just refuse to do something bigger. You just want, I just want Jesus. I just, I just want the elder brother. That's all I want. I really don't care about the father because I didn't have a dad, so I don't, I don't need a father. And the Holy Spirit, he's just some guy like Jiminy Cricket who comes in the room and tells me I need to be better than what I am. And I already think I'm great. So, I mean, come on. All I need is Jesus so I can get to heaven. Wrong. Because if Jesus can't reconcile you to the father, then his mission was futile. And if you reject the Holy Spirit, you can't get none of it. Therefore, no wonder when church doesn't walk in an anointing anymore. No wonder we don't see signs, miracles, and wonders constantly, consistently in the house of God anymore. No wonder we're not taking signs, miracles, and wonders outside of the church anymore. Is because we think that the only time that's anointed is from 10 o'clock till 12 o'clock on Sundays. Are you crazy? This is just the precursor. What's about to pop? This just gets me ready for Monday. This gets me ready for Sunday. No, I mean, I'm talking about when I walk out the building and I begin to walk in this thing. Are you getting anything out of this yet? And I'm not even into full text yet, amen. We're crying out for the Holy Spirit because something in our spirit knows that something is missing. Nothing is missing. We're just not functioning completely. The believer is functioning incompletely. I have to tell you this. The, mem- the believer today is functioning incompletely. Yeah. Incompletely. Incompletely. Pastor, I'm not incomplete. Yeah, we are. Yeah. And you have to be strong enough and bold enough to look yourself in the face and say, I am incomplete. Because if Christ, the hope of glory, dwells in me, and I am not bringing hope to anyone, then maybe we're not functioning. If what dwells in me can change the atmosphere and I'm not changing the atmosphere, then I'm not functioning. It is not enough to sit in church services and claim a title in hopes that you'll pass the pearly gates. It is not enough any longer to play the game of Christian, which you know my, th- my, my theology on this Christian is a bad word anyway. It's a segregation word. It was used in scripture to divert you as a crazy person. But yet now we say, I'm a Christian. I'm not a Christian. I'm a believer. You know why? Because it takes greater faith to believe than it does to call myself a Christian. So I'm a believer. Why am I a believer? Because I apply what I believe. I live what I believe. I walk what I believe. And when I don't, God has the authority to come into my walk, my walk through the Holy Spirit and speak to my existence so that I continue to walk in the anointing that he's placed on my life. Okay. John chapter 14. You ready? Here it comes. John chapter 14, verse 12 through 18. Jesus says this. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do. He who does what? No, he who does what? He who believes in me. He who believes in me. He who doesn't have titles. He, he who attends church regularly. He who sits on the front row and sings better than everybody. He who worships prettier than the rest of the room. He who stands behind the keyboard and plays. He who plays the drums. He who plays the guitar. He who sings. He who preaches. No, he who believes. believes. In me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do. Can I just stop right there for a second? 
Because if you walk out of this room today and you say, I can't do greater, then you don't believe. Uh-oh. Ruh-roh. And if you don't even attempt to do greater, then you don't believe. Because Jesus, the Messiah, says the greater things shall you do. How are you going to do them? I'm glad you asked. He said, greater things shall you do because I go to my Father and whatever you ask in my name that I will do, that my Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. Help us, Jesus. So that means when I break a commandments, I tell God I don't love him. Bingo. I'm just translating scripture here. I'm just trying to give it to you line upon line, precept upon precept. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will get. Here it comes. He'll give you another helper. That he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it, is neither, it neither sees him or knows him, but you will know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Watch, watch, watch. Another version says, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit, the helper. Okay, the Bible says that God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. Jesus is now about to transfigure into heaven to the right hand of the Father. And he says to the disciples, I'm leaving. Because you believe in me, greater things shall you do. Right? But here's how you're going to do it. I now, because I am my Father, and my Father is in me, I am now going to anoint you. You'll catch this in a second. And how I'm going to do it is, I'm going to give you what my Father gave me. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And not only am I going to give you the Holy Spirit, but I'm going to give you power. Power? Power? You mean power? No. This, this comes and goes. Amen. I'm talking about Holy Ghost power. I'm going to give you power. Whoa, 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 and, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that my Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. That's power. Right. If you keep my commandments, then I'll pray to the Father. He'll give you the help. So now Jesus is leaving the earth. He's ascending to the right hand of the Father. He is fulfilling the fulfillment of the Trinity. He is now, the God is in him, and he is in God. And, and, and all of a sudden, these things are working. And now Jesus is saying, now because I stand here with you, now I'm going to do what my Father did for me, and I'm going to leave the anointing with you. Yes. This is the problem in the church. We've let the anointing fall. Yeah. We've dropped the baton. We've stopped running the race. Well, that's not my job. That's the pastor's job. I don't want that. I don't, I don't, don't put that anointing on me, man. I don't want that stuff. I don't want that stuff. I don't want it. I don't know. That's weird. That's weird. That's weird. That's weird. You know what's weird? You giving your life to Christ. That's weird. To the rest of the world, that's weird. Who are you, you weirdo? You're weird. You're right. I'm weird. Because here's the truth of it. I realize that in my life, I can't make it on my own. Oh, that's just a weak excuse. You're just weak. Now, call it what you want, but the Bible says in my weakness, he's made stronger, so I'm weak. Call me what you want to call me. See, this is the problem. Is that we haven't realized that Jesus anointed us with the Holy Spirit. So now do you understand that the anointing is the indwelling and function of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you? If there is no function of the Holy Spirit, you will continue to cry out for a fresh anointing. But the moment the Holy Spirit is functioning in you, you won't cry anything because you will become a declarer, not a crybaby. Jesus, while he was on the earth, was the anointed one. But like God, when Jesus left, he anointed us with the Holy Spirit. We're anointed to do what, though? Pastor, we're anointed, but anointed. I'm so glad you keep asking because here's what you're anointed to do because Jesus declared it before you received it. For the Spirit of the Lord is upon me in Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me with, with the Holy Spirit. He has anointed me with the Holy Spirit and with... Come on, y'all welcome me this morning. Y'all ain't that slow. He anointed me with what? And what? The Holy Spirit and... I'm going to do it till you get it. The Holy Spirit and... The Holy Spirit and power. Somebody say power like you mean it. Power. Power. I remember about years ago, we were youth pastors, and we went to a meeting, and a guy said, look at him and go, power. And one of the guys, the kids, were looking at him like, power, power. And he's like, if you don't believe it, you'll be like, power. 
No wonder nobody wants what you got. Because when you believe what you have, it sounds like you believe it. It doesn't just come power. I got power. Power, power, wonder working power in the blood. Okay, that's old school right there. Okay, amen. Amen. Uh, but, but, but the truth is, is that, is that we, we, we don't walk around like we have power. Right. Have, have you seen the, the average believer today? Yeah. Well, well, I hope God will work it out for me. <laughs> I know they got the Holy Spirit. Thank God I got Jesus. It's like we've turned into spiritual Eeyores. <laughs> I don't know. One day the cloud will go away. Where are you going? I don't know. <laughs> are you anointed? I don't know. What's it look like? I don't know. You love the Lord? Still working on it. <laughs> Do you believe in God? I'll try again tomorrow. <laughs> Y'all think I'm kidding you. That, that's what it sounds like. Because you can, I spend more time encouraging believers than I do non-believers. Trying to hopefully that people will capture that the anointing is dwelling on the inside of you. Wake up! Pastor, why are you so emphatic about this? Because I'm tired of the sissy, mamby-pamby, weenie church folk believers who walk around, need to be pat on their butts, told they're great, told they're anointed, told they have Jesus, told they have God, instead of finally just believing it and acting like it. Can I just, I'm trying to be nice. Church folk have become the poster child for what's wrong in this culture. Tell me I'm better than what I am. You probably don't believe in God. Because if I have to tell you that, you have not subscribed to what he's already declared over you. And please help you. My words don't have near the power that God's does. So please stop asking for who you are through Brian. Watch, watch you're going to catch that. Some of y'all going to really grab a hold of that one in a second. I am not your source. I am not your voice. I am just a voice in the wilderness crying out. Hello. Pointing. Go. Go ye that way. (laughs) Go away from me. (laughs) Go to the Father. Run as far as you can. But Pastor, I just want to hang out with you. (laughs) No, you don't. Because you're going to see my flesh. And my nakedness, and that'll be awkward. Shh, be quiet up on the front row, Troy. That's right. Amen. All right, then. Fine, I feel you. Why? 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 Why do we not need the anointing anymore? Because the pastors become the anointing for us. And I'm going to say this, and for those of you that might watch, pastors might watch this on Facebook, I hope this convicts the fire out of you if you do this. If you've taken the place of the anointing. I had somebody, I walked into a gas station yesterday, last night. I walked into a gas station last night. He said, Pastor, I've seen this guy, but he's been in our church a couple of times. He's been off in another church. He said, Pastor, can, can we get together? I said, yeah. I said, what's going on? He goes, I'm just tired of pastors lying to me. He said, they say one thing and they do something completely other. They declare one thing and then I watch long enough and they, they do complete. I, I don't even know what to believe. He said, my own walk is at stake here. And no one seems to care. And I went, I do. I said, I'm not asking you to come to the house. I just want to make sure you finish the race. I don't care if you come to my church. I don't care if you become a part of the family. I just want you to finish the race. And whatever house you finish that in is great with me. But I just don't want you to die in the process. Right. Somebody said to me, oh, I think it was, it was, was it Timothy or Timothy was with us. And we were the guests. He's like, Pastor, do you know everybody in Slidell? <laughs> sometimes I feel that way. Amen. I try to hide sometimes. Amen. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I don't know how we got into all that. Amen. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Right? He's anointed me to do what? To preach the gospel to the poor. Okay, watch. I'm really going to jack you. If you're not preaching the gospel to somebody that is, has, does not have the valued investment of the gospel, it doesn't mean you preach to the financially poor. 
It is the poor in spirit, the ones who do not have the investment of God the Father reconciling, or God through Christ reconciling them back home. So your job is now to preach to those who are poor in spirit. If you're not preaching or ministering to those who are poor in spirit, I'll let you fill in the blank. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. If those things are not operating in you, mm-mm. Mm -mm, it gets tight real quick. But pastor, it's not just good enough for me to come to church on Sundays and sing the three songs and listen to you preach and then I'm going to get into heaven. Nope. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I don't even know you. Why would you say it like that? Because this is not what he, he didn't ask us to subscribe so that we look good on a roster in heaven. He said, subscribe so that you can become a vessel for my glory's sake so that I might pour you out in the midst of the city I place you in so that lives might be radically changed so that my kingdom might come, my will might be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not so you can get up on a Sunday morning and argue with yourself whether what clothes to wear to church. Not to argue with your four children who don't want to get up and get dressed in the morning. Not so you can, okay, see where I'm going? But this is what we've turned it into. Well, I just don't feel like going to the house of God today. You must not feel anointed today then. You must not feel the Holy Spirit today then. It's time for you and I to begin to walk in the anointing. Not just embrace the salvation and resurrection of Jesus. Not live only for the Sunday experience and just attend church. Aren't you tired of attending church? I'm nauseated by the concept. I don't attend church. I come to the house of God. I come that I might gaze upon his beauty, inquire in his temple. Oh, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Not live only for the Sunday experience and just attend church, but to live a daily life of being anointed and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us. The anointing will cause us to preach the gospel to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind. Set at liberty those who are oppressed, proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Can I just say this to you? Another translation for the anointing is boldness. Well, Pat, but Pastor, I... You know, I'm not like you. I'm not bold like you. It's because you haven't let the Holy Spirit take its weight in you. Because let me, let me explain something to you. In all case, tents, and purposes, I'm not supposed to be standing here. And it's not because, boom, I had a sermon on my life and he tried to kill me. No. Because Brian doesn't do stuff like this. Oh, no, y'all don't get it. Mm -mm. I used to walk down halls and talk to people like this. You pass me in the hall, I go, hey, how are you doing? I couldn't even look people in the eyeballs. I had low self-esteem, low value, low worth. I thought, man, God will use everybody else before he uses Brian. I am the least likely he's going to pick. This is not that guy. I mean, there's, there's people out there that can do this. That's not me. <laughs> and then one day I realized it was always me. That before the foundations of the earth, he actually handpicked me. Here's the crazy part. Before the foundations of the earth, he actually handpicked you. Think about that for a second. In all of the cosmos, in all of existence, when God folds you in your mother's womb, he went, yep. Watch, watch. If you really understand that, then rejection has to leave. I just feel the Holy Ghost right now. That just, right right there, just set me apart. But pastor, everybody's quit on me. Everybody's failed me. Everybody's walked out. Nobody loves me. That's why his word says, but I'm a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He says that your mother and father might forsake you, but I never will. Because when I sign a covenant agreement, baby, I hold my name to the letter. And when you were in your mother's womb, before your family even dreamt out what they hoped for you, 
I marked you with a purpose. Now here's the crazy part, because we have free will. His plan still has, we still have to agree to it. Just because he has a plan doesn't mean you'll get it. Right? There's plenty of plans for houses out there. That means you're going to get that house. You have to be able to qualify or gain access to that plan. Okay, watch. How do we gain access to the plan God has for us? We have to qualify. And I don't mean that in a bad way. We qualify by humbly coming before the throne room of grace and repenting. Once repentance comes, right, then we fall into the fullness of the plan. There used to be a conversation that says the acceptable will of God and the will of God. You know what I'm talking about when I say that? Acceptable will means God will permit you to walk in it, but it's not the fullness of what he's planned for you. And this is what I believe. The church today is walking in the acceptable will of God. But we are not walking in the will of God. Because if we were in the will of God, the glory cloud would rest in this house. Rest. I'm not talking about visit. It would rest in this house. Sick people would walk in and be healed. But if we, if we just go back in Bible terms, this is the tabernacle of God. It was a room that even the priests had to tie bells around the bottom of their robes that some of them could not gain access. And they would have ropes wrapped around their waist so that people, if they heard the bell stop jingling, they would drag the priest back out because he died in the presence of God. Because he could not handle what was in that room. And the Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross, the veil that hid the spirit of God from man had been torn in two. And now the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the unction, the power is now available to who? Lift your hand. Watch this. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to say yes. And then whatever he says, keep saying yes. I don't know about you, but it's like the other day we were, uh, and, and this is not against my wife, we were sitting at Chick-fil-A. And she was pulling in. And there was a guy sitting in a wheelchair, one leg missing. And we were sitting down, and she, all of a sudden I'm, I'm looking at her, and she's, she's sitting at the table, and she's looking. What are you looking at? Like, what, what, what's happening there was a guy in the wheelchair coming in, and I'm trying to see if he got food, because if he didn't, I'm got to go buy him food. Who spoke that to him? But acting upon it is when the anointing shows up. Oh, so watch this. The Holy Spirit dwells, gives you an assignment. The moment you move, the anointing kicks in. Okay, watch this. Watch, 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 watch. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I got two more points, two more parts for you next next two weeks. But watch this. Okay, I don't know if y'all know what this is. These are these. This is anointing oil. Now, let me let me help you real quick. Anointing oil was used in scripture. This is how it was originally used. An oil was used to put on the heads of sheep, in order to prevent ticks and other bugs from getting into the ears of the sheep and affecting the sheep. Oh, boy. you'll catch this in a second. <laughs> when the anointing oil is applied, it stops the attack of the enemy from getting in. Okay. But do you know this has no effect if the one applying it does not understand that they are operating under the anointing? I was telling Pastor Dylan this morning, I said, I think a lot of oil has been spilt at the altar with no effect. Because we haven't understood. Watch this. I can hand this oil to my son who is three. And tell him, son, you are anointed to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. He can put this on his finger at three. And under that unction, put his hands on me if I'm sick in body and pray for me. And the anointing through the Holy Spirit has to flow. That's some power right there. But we don't teach that anymore. We got to reserve it for the rights of the priest of the church, the, the pastor of the house to, to lay hands. Are you crazy? I could give you a vial of this tonight. And all you understand, this is Vigo oil from Walmart. It has no consequence. It has no power. 
Do you understand? This oil has no power. Zero. Zero power. This is store-bought oil. This didn't come from the Garden of Gethsemane. It wasn't strained out of an olive from the tree. It, no, this came out of a store in a bottle, poured into another bottle, put in a vial so that we might use it. But why do we use it? Because the Bible says to anoint them. But you have to function in order to apply. If we do not function, then we cannot apply. Send your anointing. No. -uh. God, I'm your anointed. I want to walk in your purpose, in your plan. I want to be used by you in whatever you say I'll do. Even if it hurts me, God, I'll do it because I'm better with you than without you. So, God, whatever you say, yes, I will. I want to be, I want to walk in your anointing. Holy Spirit, speak to me. Speak to me. She was looking for that young man, that older man that was in the wheelchair, one leg missing. And I watched him kind of wheel up and he had a bunch of food in his lap. But the Holy Spirit spoke to her to make sure he was covered. Could you imagine what happens when you stop, you start ignoring? This is the struggle. We have become very good at ignoring the unction of the Holy Spirit. I think Caleb's working today, but last week I was in revival night. And I brought Caleb up to express a, 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 a depictation. I was trying to give an analogy of what Jesus, what God does in our lives. And he raises up a standard. And, and I'm standing there and I'm, I'm using him as a thing. And I get right here and God says, tell him not to leave. Okay, Caleb, don't leave. Stay right here. Like, what's going on? I don't know what God's going to do. I'm just being obedient. And all of a sudden, I turn around, and God gives me a complete word for Caleb, not only for his present, but for his future. Not only for, Victoria, you in the room, baby, raise your, wave at me real quick. I know you're, you're hiding over there, baby. All right. I don't know. The word was for your kids. That it would break the strongholds of every generational curse that your children will walk in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And that was not just a declaration because of something cute to say. I felt a breaking. Okay, watch. The Holy Spirit spoke that to me. But what if I'd have never said it? How will the anointing fall if we don't step in? Because everything that God gives you in the moment you exist is so that anointing will fall and the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power will flow. I don't know about you, but I'm realizing that if the Holy Spirit's dwelling in me and the anointing is upon me, that means I'm functioning in it, right? Then I can't have burdens and I can't have yokes. Y'all look at me like I'm crazy, right? To proclaim liberty to the captives? Recovery sight, recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed? That's what Jesus said, I'm, I'm anointed to do, and now you're anointed to do the same thing. Therefore, if you're under that, then the anointing is not flowing in you. But if the anointing is flowing in me, then I am not captive, I am not oppressed, I am not blind, I am not brokenhearted, I am not poor. So these are, these, are, these are true testaments to find out where you're flowing. So when, I, when, it, when it doesn't seem like it's working right for me or it doesn't seem like the money's where I need it to be or it doesn't seem like we got everything that we should have or blah, blah, blah and all this stuff and I start to feel oppressed and I start to feel yoked up and I start to feel frustrated and agitated, I need to understand that somewhere along the line I have kinked the line of the anointing. I have cut off the Holy Spirit and I have fallen back into my own thought life. Did you know that the Holy Spirit and the anointing causes you to stop thinking the way you've always thought and start declaring things you cannot see, things you cannot speak about? It takes you to a whole nother level. Can I give you one more quick story and I'll send you home? I don't tell the story a lot. 
but I got to tell it. Um, I was a youth pastor in New Orleans. A young lady came up to the altar. We had a pack. We had altar calls. Say, do you remember? We had, we had altar calls in youth group, bro. We rows of kids. And uh, one night I was going through and God told me to pray for all the kids that night. And I get to one young lady and God, this is what God tells me. Now watch. I, this doesn't sound crazy what I'm about to tell you. And like I said, I don't tell everybody the story. You're going to have to choose to believe that this is true or not. I hope you choose to believe it. God says, Brian, I want you to tell her I want to restore her virginity. First of all, God, I'm a single man and you want me to tell a young female you want to restore her virginity. Yeah, I want you to tell her that. That's what I did. I went, nah, and I moved on. I got two people down. That's what I heard God say to me. He said, if you don't go back and tell her, I'll stop the flow right now. You won't move one more inch. Well, at that point, I'm going, okay, got to go back. So I go back to her, and I said, listen, I know it's going to sound crazy, but I need to tell you, this is what God told me to tell you, is that God wants to restore your virginity. He wants to give you back scientifically what the enemy stole from you. Immediately when I said that, she started to bawl. And I, I gave her a few minutes, and then I, I picked her head back up, and I looked, and I said, what's wrong? She goes, I've been being molested. I've been, I, I am presently and have been being molested by my uncle and my grandfather. We prayed about it, and then I moved on, and the Spirit of God still kept flowing, and we had an amazing service. And then after Katrina, I, got a film, I get a phone call. Now, this is the craziest thing because after Katrina, my phone number changed like three times. I had a San Antonio number. I had a Houston number. Then I finally got a Slidell number. I had a New Orleans number, then a Slidell number. So I had four. And um, I come back, and all of a sudden, one day, I'm on my way to church, and I get a phone call. And I don't know who it's from, so I answer, hello. And she, Pastor Brian, I've been trying to find you. I'm like, oh, who is this? This young lady tells me her name. I was like, oh, my gosh, how are you? Of course, we go through the whole, where are you at? How would you get? Where would you go? Yada, yada, all that stuff. Are you okay? Your family okay? Good. She goes, no, 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 I, I, I called to tell you. I said, what? She said, because she was an older teenager. She said, I got married six months ago. I said, okay. She said, I know it's going to sound crazy, but everything you prophesied over me that night came to pass. And I realized that night that nothing got stolen from me. Pastor, why would, you, why would you tell us that story? Because I need you to understand that the Holy Spirit can speak, but if you don't choose to function in it, the anointing does not show up. And I want the anointing to show up more than I want to just call myself a believer. I want the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God to fall. We walked out of revival night last week. My wife goes, baby, I, you, you go to a level I don't even go to. I said, that's all right. It took me time. But I just want to experience more. And I hope, I hope that I'm not just a uh, feel-good. It's like, wow, look what he does for pastor. But my hope and prayer is that the more I minister, that you would finally have a desire to want what I get. And that I would have a greater desire to go even deeper so that we always keep growing. I haven't arrived yet. There's deeper levels for Brian. I want that Enoch anointing. Some of y'all catch that. Y'all might not know where I'm going with that one, but I want that Babel Enoch anointing. Just, poof, he's gone. Because he walked with God. I could tell you stories upon stories upon stories of things that have happened to me in my course of ministry that, that would probably blow your mind and would even probably cause you to question some things because you'd be going like, there ain't no way that happened. But I'm telling you, I've experienced hell. I've experienced heaven. I've experienced demons. I've experienced angels. I feel like there was a moment of my life that I literally could feel the sandaled feet of Jesus in the middle of my office praying. Pastor, he just does that for you. No, no, no. He does that for those who will pursue him. Pursuit is the prerequisite for the infilling of the Holy Spirit and the function of the anointing moving. You are anointed. Next week, I'm going to tell you about where you have to be positioned to receive it. And in the following week, I'm going to tell you how you're going to walk in it every day of your life.
for the rest of your life so that the world will see that God has anointed you and that you have been called and purposed by him to fulfill that anointing. Amen? Everybody stand to your feet. Anybody feel a little bit bolder? Anybody feel a little bit stronger? How many anointed believers are in the house?